Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Tuesday evening, Believe in Monsters podcast, another episode. Big thanks to everybody hanging out and joining us in Bears land. Chris Krogh, Lucas Berry, Joe Gaither, except Chris Krogman out on assignment tonight. He's scouting for our Chicago Bears, looking <laughs> at all the prospects out uh, visiting pro days left and right. We'll hear back from him next week as he was out at Ohio State's Pro Day, Georgia's Pro Day, Alabama's Pro Day, scouting everybody uh, this past week, and he is still on the trail. So it's just Lucas Berry and myself tonight. Welcome into Believe in Monsters podcast. You can follow us on the Twitter machine at BIM underscore pod. We appreciate the Believe Network for putting us on each and every week. We appreciate you for listening to us, Bears fans or Bears haters. That's all good. We like the haters can jump in and join us as well. But we are uh, going to have another episode talking Chicago Bears offseason, as Lucas aptly put it to me in, in pre-show, that we are four weeks away from the NFL draft. Bears Twitter buzzing, deciding what Ryan Poles is going to do. The, man, the general managers and owners met out in Arizona, sunny Arizona to, uh, today. So we'll talk about some of that stuff as well. So uh, lots to get into tonight. Appreciate everybody jumping in and joining us. Follow my man Lucas Berry at Berry underscore 40. Lucas, how you doing tonight? Thanks for hanging out with us. Joe, I am doing well, my man. Um, happy to be here with you. Uh, we know Chris is out on scouting assignment, so uh, we will wait for his report back next week. Um, and eventually we will bring the fans a mock draft for our Chicago Bears, and we'll see if we can get any players right this year. Um, I know in previous years we haven't had as much luck. Uh, but, Joe, how are you doing, man? Oh, not bad. Not bad. Well, I'm okay. I'm recovering. The Alabama basketball team let me down over the weekend, but we are recovering and fully into – uh nfl and and nfl offseason and you know college spring season and spring football is underway down here but uh i'm excited i mean i'm excited to see what we end up doing i think the first you know couple of weeks of, of the offseason of the new season have been good to the bears i know that uh not every bears fan agrees with that but i'm i'm, I'm pumped up for where we are uh, Luke, why don't you kind of fill me in? Because I've been all in on kind of Alabama basketball for the last two, three weeks. What has been the scuttlebutt on Bears Twitter? What's been kind of the arguments? What's kind of set me up on a, on a topic or two that that, the, that everybody's been arguing over? Because you know, a Bears Twitter you can't stay at peace with oneself. Yeah, I mean the uh, the main topic of discussion basically has been about. Uh, you know, the Bears' lack of investment on the offensive line and, uh, you know, letting guys like Mike McGlinchey and Jawan Taylor sign elsewhere for gigantic contracts. And, you know, the Bears still have $40 million they need to spend to hit the cap floor in 2023. Uh, they need to spend $40 million cash this year. So uh, yeah, a lot of where's the money going? Why didn't we, why can't we bring in, you know, an overpriced veteran for a little bit just to get, uh, you know, so we don't have to put pressure at a rookie. And, uh, you know, more so, uh, you know, boils down to at the end of all these discussions, uh, it somehow always boils down to either you support polls or you're against him. Um, it seems like people can have no neutral opinion or, or make opinions without making, uh, you know, a, a conclusion about polls. You know, you can't just have the se separate arguments. They all lead back to either supporting or going against polls. So it's interesting. It is what it is. I personally, I think it's far too early to even, you know, cast any judgment on Ryan Paul. I mean, I think it's fair to cast judgment, but I think it's unfair to kind of define his tenure here after a year. Well, Luke, let me ask you, I mean, with the philosophy that it's at hand, um, and you're seeing we're seeing it play out in his second offseason. Ryan Poles opting to not overspend in free agency, not bring in as many veteran stop gaps. 
Um, and I'll give you my opinion in a second, but it, 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 opting instead to draft and throw rookies into the fire and just kind of build that way instead. What's your opinion on that, on that philosophy? Oh, uh, well, you know, it, it reminds me of the guy that, you know, Bears fans once made fun of a lot, myself included, in Chris Ballard. Uh, this is pretty much what he has done with the Colts the whole time he's been there, and it, it's his um, it's his whole M.O., and some people argue uh, Chris Ballard has won absolutely nothing in his seven years there. Others will tell you he built a really good team, but he couldn't get the quarterback right after Andrew Luck left the team. Um, so it, it is an interesting discussion just because from a distance, I always kind of liked what the Colts did, especially in the draft. But I guess long term, you know, Ballard, I always thought he was never aggressive enough to make that one move to push them over. Like, I don't know. I, I've always kind of thought he was very coward like. So it, it's interesting because I'm, I'm kind of on both sides of the fence with it. Here, it's a little slightly different because the quarterback's already in place. So it's, you know, we're not worried about that. But can that philosophy work if you have a quarterback, I guess, is the question. I, 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 I'm, I see the comparisons of Chris Ballard, and I think that's probably a, a strong comparison. Um, I just think that I'm more so on, on the camp, and I've been, I've been uh, over, uh, throughout time and uh, on this podcast – in the camp of Ryan Poles is uh, throw, you know, build through the draft, build through the draft. And, and Ryan Pace did a terrible job of it. But Poles has um, so far, you know, through one draft and half an off season, uh, one and a half off seasons, has seemed to stick with it. it. As you said, Luke, I think it's too early to tell if it's panning out or not. Um, We'll get into it probably towards the tail end of this of this this week's episode on what really our expectations are because I think that's another discussion that's been going on on in the bear social media world on you know oh Ryan Paul says oh I can't get we can't get it all done in one off season I I, I don't know I I think that it's it's smart not to overcommit your money to older players to stopgap players there's a reason a lot of these guys are on the market there's a reason some of the uh, that these guys are being released by their teams some of it's financial but some of it's because they're not meeting their financial their obligation you know what their contract calls for as far as production on the field so i i'm 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 with it as far as building the draft and maybe i'm just too infected with the New England Patriots mindset o- o- over the 20, 25 years that I've paid attention to football, let guys go early, draft, 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 uh, take as many shots as you can. And and the Ravens, too. The Ravens kind of do this as well. Trade back, trade back, be built to the draft. And they've been successful over 20, 25 years. And, you know, more successful than the Bears have been at building up to one year at a time, 2006 or 2010 or, you know, one year, one year at a time. 20, exactly. Uh, so I think it's better over time to adopt this philosophy. It's just going to be a hard change to kind of get used to. Yeah. And to your point about like the Ravens and even the Steelers, I would put in that Steelers conversation. Yes. And, and the uh, Patriots, you know, those are the organizations uh, we're striving to be. And um, I guess the the big thing is we remember them as what they are now, but we don't remember the time of when they first started doing this. Like the Bears are at the, the, the phase now where if you're going to go this way, it takes a while to kind of build build your team up to the place where it is competitive year in and year out. Instead of, like you said, building up for one year, which was, you know, kind of like the Ryan Pace that to find his whole tenure here was building up for that one season. And that was it. I mean, it, it is, it's frustrating to watch. It's frustrating to see them trot out a team that's this bad. But like I said before, it's kind of like if you step back and just listen to what Ryan Poles is saying and kind of just take in the full picture, you understand what he's trying to do. Is he going to be, be, wouldn't you rather be good year after year and say, okay, you know, right. But, this but the, the counter argue, the, the counter argument to that it, people are going to make is, well, you can, you can do that, but also, you know, you have to fill in kind of major gaps in your roster and, and at least try and be competitive. But, but Joe, to that point, it's like, all right, let's just say the bears ended up giving the money to Mike McGlinchey and, and just say, I don't know, he gives you an okay season. <laughs> And, uh, you know, we draft a tackle and now we have, you know, Mike McGlinchey on the book for three more years after this. And we have this tackle who's ready to play next year. And we also have Braxton Jones. Like 
you know what I mean? You're just you have an extra space in your roster then with a guy making a lot of money. Right, right, exactly. So like yeah, it's not ideal to go out there and trot out a, a rookie tackle, but like without that veteran on the roster, you can't really lock yourself into a, you know, a massive deal with a guy who you plan on not starting the next year. I think what I've seen, I I was just going to say, I think what I've seen with Ryan Poles in the free agent market is kind of, he's either at the top of the market or he's, he's not, you know, at the bottom of the market. I don't really think he's like the mid tier is kind of where you step into the danger zone. Like, so Tremaine Edmonds, for example, people are like, well, you don't want to spend money, but you spent all this money on an off all linebacker. I personally don't agree with that, but I'm, I see what he's doing as in Tremaine Edmonds is one of the best linebackers in the league. So he's throwing money at a guy who's one of the best at his positions. He's not throwing money at a guy who's average and going to fill a hole. You know what I mean? So he he's like, he's throwing money at the top of these guys position. And then he's filling out the rest with, you know, million dollar signings without locking himself into bigger money for average players. Well, and that's, <clears throat> That's what it's all about, really. You, you, you think back to, uh, I think back to Ryan Pace's first big offseason where he brings in Cody Parkey, he brings in Allen Robinson, he brings in who else did he bring? He brought in Trey Burton in that cl- in that little group, um, and you know it was really flashy. It was really fun, but they all kind of gave us one year before they started to kind of cost us. And not to say that we haven't – we're now currently out from under those deals and, and, and away from them off the books. But, you know, I, Trey Burton, he was terrible after a season. Dude, <laughs> they all were. It was like after that year, we talked about it before, it seems like everyone aged like <laughs> 10 years and, you know, everyone was hurt. It was like that was it. <laughs> Yeah, so I I think it's it's best to be this flexible and to work your way through the draft and and you know and to re-sign your own guys or or let them go at your own discretion rather than signing other guy uh, uh, other teams kind of replacements other teams kind uh, other teams kind of discard discards. Um, you know, you were you were kind of setting up. We were kind of talking about Mike McGlinchey at the beginning, and and he and. Uh, Jones, right? The the tackle, the other tackle, the the, the, the Jennings, Juwan Jennings, Juwan uh, Jones, Taylor, Juwan Taylor. Taylor. Thank you, thank you. Uh, and you could have brought him in, and that would have given you probably more flexibility at the number nine at, at the number nine pick. But uh, I I don't know. I, personally, I'm happy not not signing these these older guys. I mean, I. I would have definitely liked to see them at least approach the market. Like, like I know Chris has brought up this thing before, but like Isaiah Wynn, he's been a guy who's, he's not great, but you're going to get him probably at a good price for, you know, one year. Like that's the kind of stopgap tackle I'm fine with. Um, I know people weren't happy with Riley Reef last year, but he was probably one of our best linemen, to be honest. <laughs> it's like, but but the Bears are now sitting in a position where they still lead the league in cap space. So, you know, I mean, teams How are going to have to make that. Well, one, I was going to say teams are going to start after, like after the draft, teams are going to make decisions on some guys. Like the hot name right now is Layout Collins on the Bengals, who, you know, if, after they sign Orlando Brown, he's kind of the odd man out. Um Because it, it's looking like they're going to move Jonah Williams over there. So, like, the Bears are in a position where they could potentially sign you know, maybe a guy at 30 for, I don't know, maybe you say come here for one year and whatever. But what do you think about Jonah Williams? Because Jonah I said he's not going to play right tackle. No, he's not good. Okay, okay, that's that's fine. I think he's a guy I would not replace Braxton Jones. I wouldn't move Braxton Jones for. Okay, good. I mean, good, good to know. Good, good to but, know. To answer your question, how are they going to spend the money? I mean, they, I, I mean, I expect them to extend at least one guy over the summer, maybe two or three, and the three up for extensions potentially are would be Mooney, Kmet, and Jalen Johnson. Um, and it seems like from the way they talked about him, 
uh, poles and Eberflus really like commit so I could see him being the first to kind of sign. And then uh, Mooney and, and Jalen Johnson is interesting. Johnson has been good, but never fully healthy, really. And he doesn't turn the ball over a lot. So he's interesting. Cause I, I really think Eberflus values the turnovers. Um, and then with Mooney, the Claypool acquisition kind of throws a wrench in that because they're most likely only going to be able to extend one of them. Uh, they'll, you know, it's very possible they let both Mooney and Johnson kind of play out this year and see how it goes. But the good thing, go ahead. I, I was going to say the good thing about this cash floor is that the Bears have until the next league year to use the money, so they could extend. Mooney or Jalen Johnson next March before the league year starts and still be have that money count toward 2023. So they have kind of a very long time to do it. It shouldn't be hard to do. Obviously, they're going to have to sign a draft class. And then, you know, like I said, they'll be at the, the top of the market for any potential veteran cuts or, or whoever's left to fill out the roster. We, we, we saw as soon as Eberflus came up, came to, uh, came to Chicago, he, he put Jalen Johnson kind of in the doghouse, like, uh, and whether mm-hmm. he was testing him or not, which was, was kind of our theory. I, I, I don't know if he loves the guy. I, I think that he's been a really, really fine, fine cornerback over his what, two, three years, but I wouldn't rec- I, I wouldn't extend Mooney. I would, uh, you know, you, you gotta, you have to extend the golden domer. Of course, the number one receiving option that that, that you got. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, but 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 no. I think that like you, you give him, a, he's definitely worth an extension. And I think that uh, you know you let this year play out and see how Claypool and Mooney, which one of them is more productive, which one of them jives more with Justin Fields. Can can Mooney be more effective now that DJ Moore is out there? You know, because he, I I I thought like Mooney was a damn ghost last year. Yeah, no. And I mean, it's been, that was something we, a lot of us talked about, you know, Mooney's not a true number one and he was kind of thrown into that position last year and it's right. it's not really his place. So having him back in the slot with the true number one will be interesting. And that, you know, I, really, I think people are, I, I, I get the trade for pick 32 was bad. I fully understand. Uh-huh. I fully am on board. I think Claypool, is is pretty darn good and i think he's got some potential especially you know if he's if he's seeing you know one-on-one coverage um and you're not I, even a Notre Dame guy that's Kroger's job but <laughs> I, I don't know man i just think he's he's way too gifted to to kind of be what he was last year and and i really think the you know he was really having a good game the game he got hurt was kind of like his breakout game if you will and then that was that so I am excited to see Claypool this year, and I do think he's he's going to be a lot better than uh, many Bears fans are giving him credit for. I mean, when you think about the weapons that you've got right now, I'm not going to sit here and say, "Oh, best," you know, "best weapons in the league." But you've got a you've got a real you've got an adequate amount of receiving oh, options. I, and, you I know, think you right- could potentially say it's it's you know, middle of the league. Yeah. You could, you could argue it's between 15 to 20. Yeah, I think so. I think so. So, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the, this group go into 2023. Um, with all that being said, let's talk about the number nine pick because you've, you've got so many, so much debate about has Ryan Poles kind of pigeonholed himself into drafting a lineman uh, or, or drafting a tackle uh, specifically. And you've got Skaronsky, you've got Paris Johnson, you've got Broderick Jones, or you've got the option to trade back as well. Uh, or, Luke, if you want to disagree, feel free to say and, and say that Poles hasn't pigeon, pigeonholed, pigeonholed himself right there into drafting a lineman. Hmm. All right, so I don't really know how to argue this because I do kind of think he he forced himself that he needs to tackle early. Yeah. But the way he operates makes me feel like he's not going to draft like that. Like anything he's shown us this offseason makes me think 
he's just going to take the best player on his board. Yeah. But the way the board is shaping out, like I think if, if Jalen Carter's not there, I think if Christian Gonzalez is not there, I think he's going to go offensive line. You fell in love with Christian Gonzalez last week. (laughs) I did. I think he is one of the best defensive players in this draft. And uh, I, there's just, he, he's an Eberflus dream, man. He, he's built like Ramsey, a little bit lighter, but he's, he's a big cornerback. I mean, he can just, he does everything. He has, you know, a ton of career uh, turnovers. I mean, he's just as, he reminds me a lot of Pat Sertain, to be honest with you. I think he's just like ready made his rookie year to step in and, and be pretty darn good. Do, do, do you think that other teams are, 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 do you think the draft board started to recognize him as that kind of prospect, a top 10 prospect? Well, I mean, every year we see guys fall down a little bit just because whatever. I mean, the year that the year that all the quarterbacks went when Fields was drafted to the Bears, I mean, Denver got Sertain at 9 or 10. Right. And everyone knew Pat Sertain was – I mean, he was – out of Alabama, he was about as polished as they come, and everyone said that. And I think this is kind of the same situation where you got a guy coming out of college who's – He's as polished as they come, and and you know there's going to be uh there's going to be players picked because they're quarterbacks, and there's going to be players picked because they're potential over him, most likely. Well, I think hmm. I, I'm with you in, in the sense that I think that, I think Poles is going to draft best player available, and I think that it's going to send people through the roof on draft night when the number nine card comes in. And if it's Christian Gonzalez or let's say it's somebody else, if it's anyone that's not an offensive lineman, I think people are going to flip their lid. Uh, I don't, I don't know if we would get that reaction for now. Here's Joe. This is, this is actually funny because I, I tweeted this out the other day. I said, if, if you would be mad about the bears drafting Christian Gonzalez, that you have to keep that same energy when they if they draft uh, JSN because you know if they draft JSN all the fields Ohio State Bears meatheads are like yeah great pick like we don't need offensive line do you remember Chase like you know what I mean it's it's gonna be oh, one yeah. of those things it, he is they'll the, love uh, it they'll love it he is the Bears Twitter kind of you know pretty boy at this moment so like if if it was Christian Gonzalez it would be pitchforks but if it was JSN it would, they would give polls a pass for. Uh, you know, passing up an offensive lineman. Well, it's just like last year when you when you draft the uh, the corner and people are, oh, you should have drafted George Pickens, and and maybe you should have, maybe you should have. But I think in Kyler Gordon, you ended up getting a pretty good little player. I think you got a, a player who's going to be a contributor at least for the foreseeable future. Yeah, he started to play really well at the end of last year. But you now back to the draft this year, Joe. I mean, do you, would you be mad? Uh, you know, we we talked about Christian Gonzalez, and you know, maybe it's just me that's that high on him. But I, I mean, talking about JSN, would you be mad if they took JSN over you know a potential cornerstone tackle? Well, I think I would be. Um, I think I would be, and I think I would I would hope to be made to be a fool to uh, later on by JSN. I worry. Now a lot of people are going to throw Jamar Chase as your as your example, but I worry about a year off from football. I worry about his longevity and his ability to stay healthy long term. Because what was it a hamstring, an ankle injury, then a hamstring injury? It seems like there's a lot of lower body injuries for JSM. And didn't correct me if I'm wrong because I wasn't like a combine nerd this year, but didn't he run like a four six five in the combine? Uh, uh, he didn't run a he didn't run a forty time. That was his three cone time, which is actually elite for that. Right, right, uh, right. His forty time at his pro day was clocked anywhere from four four eight to like mid four five. So it really wasn't. Slow no, that's not that bad. No, that's not as bad as I was worried about because I was kind of worried about him being on the slower side. Okay, all right, uh, but. <laughs> I guess it goes back to philosophy, Luke, and you and I, I think we've always read from the same playbook in this instance that you got to build from the inside out. And, and and if JSN is your man at nine, my feeling will be 
very apprehensive. Now, do will like out and out call it a bad move? No, but I will expect JSN to come in and really make the passing game his addition. Whether he's like number one guy or whatever, whatever his addition is to the passing game turns the passing game into bam, open guys everywhere. We got you know easy easy reads for Justin Fields, completions. Um, and I don't know if his impact is that. So I would be very apprehensive uh, uh, for drafting JSN. Now, if he came in and made the passing game just just work, gave Justin Fields an automatic like safety blanket and he and DJ Moore were dominating things, then I'd, I'd happily say, you know what, Ryan Poles, you son of a gun, good for you. But after that first night, I'd think, oh, this may not work out too good. Yeah, and I think here's also the other aspect that, you know, we have to take into consideration. Um, one, I, I would say the drop-off at tackle between the first-round talents and the mid-round talents is fairly steep. I yes. think, uh, especially with the Bears picking once at nine and then not again until the, the mid-50s, and they also need D-line help all over the place. But the the depth at tackle is not, deep, is not great, um, especially for starting caliber tackles. And I think there's probably five or six guys who you could you could plug in on day one and kind of trust that they would be pretty solid for you or, or hope that they would be pretty solid for you immediately. And then after that, you know, I don't know if, if any of them guys are lasting to the Bears' second pick. So if JSN is ranked similarly to these linemen, I do think, uh, to your question earlier, I do think they need to draft for the need and maybe push that up the board. I wouldn't even be mad at a trade back. So like I said, I think there's five or six guys they could potentially like. So like that's what I was gonna ask. What what would you think about trading back from nine to fifth uh sixteen with the commander, seventeen with the Steelers, nineteen with the Bucks, someone I, like that. I mean Joe, this is my my hope is that much like the Saints did last year for Olave, I hope there's some team out there who who wants JSN so badly that they're willing to to kind of maybe give you a first next year or something crazy to move up maybe 10 spots to, to get their top receivers. I mean, everyone, you know, last year, nobody, I don't think anybody expected, you know, someone to covet Olave that much that they, they were going to move that and give up a first for him. And I mean, the saints uh, gave up their first to Philly and they were horrible this year. Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe that is the case, but uh, you know, it is in my opinion. Shoot, I think. If you came back with another, if you if you walk away with another first round pick and trade back, right? And you end up in the uh, late teens, early twenties, and you pick one of those tackles. I'm I'm saying, heck yeah, and, and let's keep going because that puts you at three first rounders next year. Whew. Right, and Joe, that that was going to be my point is that next year, if you're going into the draft with, you know, you already have two, maybe you get a third you're going to be able to to get that game-changing wide receiver next year. I mean, I I obviously know we all love JSN and the Ohio State connection, but there's another guy next year who has an Ohio State connection as well who who is generational. And and it, next year's class, Joe, at receiver, like Brock Bowers. You got Marvin Harrison Jr. You got Caleb Williams. Like, yeah, there's some firepower at the top of that draft. So if you can accumulate assets and kind of pile up for that and take your tackle this year, you will be sitting pretty to uh, replace either Mooney or Claypool. No, no questions asked. I'd be thrilled to get to get one of Brock Bowers or Marvin Harrison Jr. You give me either one of those, and I'm I'm doing a backflip. Right. Well, you know, that's I'm just saying the Bears have, you know, they I, I would say they have adequate weapons this year. I would really like them to see kind of take another flyer on, you know, a mid round receiver, um, whatever, uh, see what happens there. But, you know, I think the depth chart is at a place right now where they should be okay. You know, where, where people won't say, Oh, we gave fields no help this year. Like now, now we got to keep them upright as well. It's just as important. Well, yeah, majorly important. And so I, I think you're going to see them, you know, I, I, I think the most likely scenario is going to be either taking a Paris Johnson or Skaronsky at nine or drafting back to 17, 18, 19 and getting, getting your Broderick Jones. Yeah. So I think that, that that's an interesting thing too. That's been coming up on Twitter, Joe. 
is uh this this notion that Broderick Jones is you know uh, I've seen up to ten to fifteen picks uh worse than than Paris Johnson. And to me, you know, I think it's a 1A, 1B type situation. I don't think they're far off at all, and it's really just going to be GM's preference. I, I know people, again, the Ohio State connection, the Ohio State Bears is, is the, uh, you know, the section of Twitter that wants anything with anyone who has to do with field. They are the greatest player ever. I, I love Paris Johnson, but Broderick Jones offers a lot of things this regime loves. He is nasty as they come, Joe. I mean, you, you've seen him in the SEC. He's he's everything. I mean, he elite athlete in space, just absolute monster. So, would you be happy or comfortable drafting him at nine? If if say Skaronsky or or Paris were on the board, yeah, yeah, I honestly yeah, like all three. So the guy that's our line. I'm sorry. What'd you say? Uh oh. You're back. Oh, hello. Froze there you, for no, a second. Just uh, no, just the uh, you, you're you're saying it, yeah. Oh, I I was just saying that um, you know, I I would be happy with any three of them, and it really comes down to the uh, you know, their scouting report, um, on on how they view each of them and how they fit in their system, um, and I I was just going to ask you, I mean, it, let's look at Skaronsky first, who, uh, you know. So NFL.com has their own prospect rankings for the combine. Um, and, and they're done by Lance Zerline, I believe. And they give every player a grade. And, um, you know, over a seven is like a, a really, really good player. There's only two of those in this class, Will Anderson, Jalen Carter. Uh, but one of the highest ranked players he has on his board, similarly ranked to Christian Gonzalez, actually, is Skaronsky. Um, And I was just going to ask you, how much do you think uh, we should stock we should put into the the short arms thing. I mean, if you're playing him at guard, but you think he's going to be an all pro guard, is it too early to take him there? Or if you think he's going to be an all pro, you just take it and don't look back. Well, um, let me ask you this: it could, Would you take Quentin Nelson at nine? Yes. All right. So if you're going to give me an all pro guard. And okay, yes, Quentin Nelson is your top All Pro guard. But if you're going to give me an All Pro guard, and you're going to say Peter Skaronsky is an All is, is an All Pro, and you're taking a guy like Quentin Nelson at nine, it sounds like about the same sort of level prospect level player. I think you take him at nine if if you think that that's your guy. Um, I might, are you worried about the short arms? If you're going to play him at guard, you're not. If yeah, if you're going to play him at guard, you're not. Yeah, well, I guess that goes to my point. You know, do you take the, I guess, more proven talent who you think is going to play guard? And then, you know, you also have to worry about Tevin, who also has short arms and you're not sure about it, tackle? Or are you taking a surefire tackle instead, which would be, I guess, more of a a franchise building stone at, you know, at tackle instead of kind of an experiment of shuffling linemen around? Well, let's let's think about it, Luke. Uh, what what do you have? What do you have in the offensive line room right now? You have a lot of linemen who can do different things. What's Tevin Jenkins? Is he a guard? Is he a tackle? What's Alex Leatherwood? Is he a guard? Is he a tackle? Uh, not, le- yeah, he, he's not making a roster. Well, well, right, he probably won't. But but the, but the, the similarity, he can do a lot of things. What's yeah, Cody versatile. White here? What's Cody White here? Is he a guard? Lucas is he a Patrick. center? What's Lucas Patrick? Lucas. Is he a center or is he a guard? Like every all the all these guys can do more than one position and so does it seem like just reading the tea leaves that that's kind of what ryan poles i like the versatility and so i does that tell you that he's leaning a guy that can play skaronsky maybe guard maybe tackle i kind of is what that tells me but honestly if i'm bowls with all that versatility i'd like to get a guy like even Braxton Jones, is he left tackle or is he right tackle? I'd like to get a guy who this guy is a left tackle. Boom. Harris Johnson is a left tackle, and he's gonna play it for the next eight years in Chicago. And we'll yeah, figure out other positions. I think if that's the way you're going, then it, the pick either has to be him or Broderick Jones. Um, yes. Because like I said, I think there's there's too many 
kind of questions around Skaronski unless you have a, a solid plan for him, but there really is no telling how he will play tackle in the NFL. I mean, people do think he has a solid floor as a tackle, but it's not nearly going to be as high as if you play him inside. Um, so to that point, yeah, if you, if you want that, you want that guy to say, this is our left tackle for you know the next decade, you're deciding between Paris Johnson and Broderick Jones. Interesting. I like I said. It, it sounds like you like Jones there. more, which is cool. I like Paris Johnson more. I think the Bears like Jones more. Okay. Okay. Why do you like Johnson more? Uh, I think he has. I think he has a better. Uh, I think I, I think he looks better in pass protection. I think he's a more smooth, uh, kind of in, in his pass sets. I mean, Broderick Jones is a, is a fantastic athlete, but I think his best work is kind of out in space. Mm-hmm. I said I told someone before he reminds me of a guard who plays tackle because he's so agile. You know, getting to the outside and and cleaning up defenders in open space. Um, but he he kind of reminds me of like uh, Andrew Thomas who went to Georgia and got drafted by the Giants. Um, he was a little bit raw coming out, but last year he was one of the best tackles in the league. So that's why I think Broderick Jones has kind of the highest ceiling um, at tackle. So that I, the Bears might be intrigued by that and plug and play him right away as a as a mauling run blocker. Well, I think I'd be pretty happy uh, as long as you come away with a solid member of your offensive line. I think that that'd be uh, that would round out this, this this offensive overhaul quite nicely, in my opinion. Right, but then Joe, to your point too, if they want to trade back, I mean, the other two guys you can look at are Darnell Wright or um, you know Anton Harrison, who I think you know they might be maybe one notch below these other guys, but uh, you know plug and play from week one, you'd be able to start him at least. So plenty of well, options. You started today. Braxton Jones. <sighs> Yeah. Well, that's that's something we should talk about, too, because today at the meetings, uh, they asked Eberflus about that, and he did say, um, you know, Braxton Jones could potentially – he could play left or right tackle, I think is what he said. So, uh, yeah, that, that lets me know they're not afraid to potentially move him uh, for that left tackle if they see one in this draft, Joe. Yeah, how do you think uh, Braxton Jones receives that news? And do you think that he'd be, you know, a- after a year of hey, welcome to the league, you're a left tackle. Uh, now, do you, now, now, you want to spend the off season learning right tackle? Yeah, I don't know. Like you said, I think it depends who they draft. Um, I know Paris Johnson has had experience on the right side playing right guard at Ohio State. So, if you draft him, you could potentially play him at right tackle if you really want. But like you said, Joe, if you're going with a tackle that high play him, you know, put him at the most premium position and, and just let it ride. But yeah, no, I think uh Braxton Jones should just be grateful he has a uh <laughs> you know a, an opportunity to with all this playing time and minimal repercussion to kind of go out there and learn on the job. So that's true. That's true. He shouldn't really have uh too much complaining to do. Well, Plus do I think-, think he played all over in college too. I think he's had experience there as well. What do you think that Justin Fields over the last three weeks has kind of like, cause you know, we can talk about fans on Twitter, this, that, and the other, but do you think Justin Fields over the last two or three weeks has seen what Ryan Poles has been doing and has been like, you know what? I'm buying in the, the plan, the plan. I can see it coming together. You know, the, the, this, this guy is helping me out. I mean, yes, but it's all fields is a hard guy to read. I mean, I sure. feel like if he had an issue, he wouldn't, say anything about no no so supposedly polls has said that everything he's been doing he's been communicating with fields so i i don't know if that's true or not but yeah i mean fields should see that you know they're they brought in i mean like like i said whether we like it or not that claypool trade happened and it was a desperate attempt to get something around fields which they did and then they also brought him, you know, now a DJ Moore and more um, assets in the draft to to kind of fill out a roster. So, 
yeah, I think Justin Fields definitely should feel like he was um, helped out this offseason in a big way. There you are. Sorry. I said I heard that trade happened and then I lost you. Uh no, you're all good. I was just letting letting people know how I felt about uh how Justin Fields should feel. But yeah. Joe, I was actually I was actually thinking about this earlier. Um do you think this is a make or break season for Justin Fields? Yes. Uh yes I do. Year number three. Now you get a lot of passes in year number one, just as a rookie with no con, with really no weapons. And last year, not a whole lot of weapons either. And so you get a lot of forgiveness. And I know I'm very blue and orange glasses, very bearish glasses on. And so I'm, you know, I was patient with Mitchell Trubisky, and I will probably be more patient with Justin Fields than the general public. But, yeah, he's going to have to have some success this coming year. And success in terms of whether the numbers look really good on the passing side, look a lot better, Look whether the numbers look a lot better or more improved on the passing side, or if the Bears are in the playoff discussion to the very end. Um, I, I, think, I think many people were impressed with Justin's running ability and his athleticism this past year. But I think a lot of people are pretty – not not myself, but I think a lot of outside looker, uh, you know, outside looking in people are still skeptical about Justin Fields' ability to lead an NFL franchise to 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 real winning. Outside of just hey, look, that guy's fast. Um, he's really he's really athletic. He's got a a pretty arm. Um, so so yeah, I do think it's a make or break year for Justin because the narrative's starting to grow and it's starting to creep up on him. And I don't think that he's got the mindset of Mitch like, like Mitchell did, where Mitchell kind of crumbled under the narratives. Uh, I, I do think that you're gonna start to feel outside pressure if he if he doesn't have a good year. What are you using one of those top three picks on or next year? Yeah. <laughs> you might you might be making a Drake May or a Caleb Williams selection, and so I think he's going to have to go out there and show that, he, and he can do it one of two ways. He can have good good passing numbers, and let's say the defense just is ass, and we're losing. Um, but he looks like an adequate NFL quarterback. All right, or he can if he's still struggling in the passing game, okay, well, you got to keep us alive in the win-loss column. You got to keep us in the conversation. Do we have to make the playoffs? I don't think so, but you got to be alive in the conversation. Like, hey, this guy, you can win with him, even if he's got passing deficiencies. Yeah, that was just something that, that I thought of earlier, and I was really like, well, yeah, they got him the weapon, but he's he's not – I think this is really, I mean, this is well ultimately what it comes down to for him this season. I mean, next year they have, like you said, they have two firsts. They have the perfect opportunity to to kind of move on if if that's the way it goes. You know, I, I sure hope it doesn't. I love Justin Fields. But, you know, this regime did not draft him. So mm-hmm. to to think that if he does not kind of perform to the level we think he can um, and, and quickly, then, uh, yeah, they, they could be – soured on him pretty quickly unfortunately um not necessarily the fairest of shakes but it, it, you know that's that's the kind of the business of the league and but but you know what i'm i have all the confidence in the world that this is going to pan out i i've always felt too. kind of not worried about he, he's the one player i i have always been kind of the least worried about and um you know i think there's definitely a big year coming and this is i mean joe this is uh almost exactly ripped right out of the Howie Roseman playbook of what they did with Jalen Hurts. I mean, really, after his second year where he had almost identical numbers to Fields last year, you know, Fields had better rushing numbers. But, uh, you know, you know, they kind of set themselves up with multiple draft picks the following year to kind of hedge their bet on on the quarterback. So what's uh, your now- expectation for the Bears this year? Because I know a lot of people are like, wow, 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 Ryan Poles, you should be going for it. What's the fair expectation based off, hey, man, we just had the number one overall pick. We just had that level season. What's your expectation for Ryan Poles year number two? Uh, I mean, Joe, you know, he did – he is kind of hedging himself by saying, 
you know, we're not going to fill all the holes in the off season. And this is a kind of a multiple year process type deal, but you know, there, there does have to be a, a little sense of urgency and, you know, to, for me to sit here and tell you I'm not worried about the Bears' defensive and offensive lines would be a huge understatement because I, they're still two of the worst units in the league. And um, like, like you said, Joe, we've always kind of been on the same page about building through the trenches and building, uh, building that, working your way out, you know, fix your lines and, and work your way out from there. So um, with that being said, I mean, I think it's reasonable to 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 think they could potentially make the playoffs. I think they're still a few big moves away from that. We're going to have to see how the draft shakes out. Of course. Um, you know, the NFC North at this point is kind of wide open. The Lions are the favorites. I mean, the Vikings are kind of going through a small rebuild themselves with changing D coordinators to now Flores, who's bringing in, you know, get getting rid of a bunch of their older guys there. So I don't know how good they'll be this year. Um, Green Bay, obviously going to Jordan Love and then and then the Bears. What do you so, think about was it uh which one was it? Well, it was it was it uh LaFleur said we need to temper our expectations for Jordan Love. Yeah, no, I mean that's that's kind of a weird situation too, but uh Packers fans are are talking that guy up like he's like the next coming of My uh, yes. And and I'm not going to lie to you. I actually really liked Jordan Love at Utah State. Um, but that being said, I don't think he's really shown much at, at the NFL level. And the thing that makes me laugh so hard is that Packers fans always go, oh, well, he played somewhat well in that Eagles game. Like, he threw a slant to Christian Watson, and he just outran the defense. I, he just – I don't know. He'll be fine. But I, I also don't think the Packers have a great infrastructure either around him. I mean, his wide receiving core is nothing to write home about. Kristen Watson, and that's about it right now. Yeah, they they had the most drop passes in the NFL last year. I mean, they got a solid offensive line, and and you know maybe they'll get extra picks from the Rodgers deal, and maybe they take a wide receiver. But uh, my grand point is that the NFC North is wide open, and that yes. the Bears should at least be in that mix for a long, long portion of the season. But you asked what, what my expectation is. <clears throat> it's kind of the same expectation. I, I, it, my expectation this year is the expectation I also had going into last year. I, I expect them to win kind of like seven to eight games at this point. Uh, with the way it's heading now, I, I don't know if they'll reach that though, Joe. They, they I don't know. They're really going to need to hit a home run with their first pick for this to work out. Yeah, you know, last year I was in that. Oh, we're not gonna be in first pick. We're we're gonna win more than four games. These people are crazy. Oh boy, boy, boy! I like what we've done so far, and everything you said rings true about having to see what happens with the draft and you know that sort of thing. But seven wins seems like we need to be seven, eight wins needs to be. I feel like we need to get back to there. Yeah. If they if you get back to a middling team next year, then you could really say the year after that is when the expectation is that you make the playoffs and win the division. So, you know, kind of that middle ground this year being realistic is probably that 7-8 win range which might get you close to a playoff spot depending how the season shakes out. We know the 7 seeds now and the NFL in general outside of like four teams is pretty bad, so yeah, I, I think that's fair, and that's what the expectation should be. And, I mean, really, if the Bears win less than five games, then, then yeah, we might have an issue on our hands, Joe. Yeah, Justin Fields is probably going to be gone. Well, well, as you see, this is also where I'm coming from. Like, I am bought into the Ryan Paul's plan, but yeah. I'm going to judge him on on how how the team progresses. I'm not going to, you know, blow my lid about off-season signings or whatever and whatever. I'm – I'm going to see what happens after two years and just evaluate what I think of the guy. And we'll go from there because if, you know, as we talked about earlier, if he does want to be Chris Ballard or whatever, we have to kind of hold him accountable for the draft picks he's putting out there. Like if you're going to build through the draft, you better be good at drafting. Right. 
I mean, absolutely. If that's going to be your flaw, I mean, hundred like percent. If, if you're going to live and die by that, you got it. You got to follow through with it. Well, and, and, and last year, I mean, come on, we, we can all outside of a couple of misses. I think you look at last year's draft class. I think it was a solid haul. Yeah, his one and only class. I think he did good. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it was anything crazy, but I think he brought in, uh, you know, two starting caliber players right away. Um, and then, you know, a new punter, and he brought in a competition. Uh, he ended up with a starting left tackle out of the bunch. I mean, granted, it was on a horrible team, but, you know, he found four four players and then Valus Jones, who, you know, a lot of people are out on. But, you know, the last game of the year, he, he kind of flashed a little bit and was really good on special teams. So, who knows? I mean, yeah, he brought in – I would Bayless say he Jones. had – he had a solid class, but really, I mean, I think I've said this before, the, the place where Ryan Pace failed, it, I mean, was his first round picks, either not having them or just yes. not hitting them. You have to hit, like, we talk about the Ravens, we talk about the Steelers, we talk about the Patriots, maybe not the Patriots, I, I think Bill, Bill Belichick's an overrated GM. Anyway, uh, those teams always hit on their first round picks. I rarely see them not, you know, having a slam dunk with their with their first picks we gotta it's, do it it's, it's every weeks. year like like the Steelers are drafting you know late 20s and they're bringing in TJ Watt like that that's the type of organizations we're comparing ourselves to or you know we want to be we aspire to be we've got to hit these picks we got to find them guys you got to be able to trade back and still you know kind of land that talent you got to get it right it's a tough science, but uh, it, it's worth it's worth the painful price of changing of kind of changing our philosophy because I think it yields more long term success. Absolutely. Well, Luke, anything else you got for the people tonight? I know, I know that uh, we're all eagerly anticipating Chris's report from next week. Chris, what five players that you saw on pro days next week uh, for the people? <laughs> Yeah, he'll definitely follow through with that one. <laughs> uh, that's it, Joe. That's all I got. We'll have more next week after the owners' meetings are up, and maybe we'll get some trades quickly to follow that. You know, maybe Hopkins gets dealt somewhere, and who knows? Maybe the Bears are in on a Not Jeffrey to the Bears Simmons. with that price. Jeffrey no. Simmons, if that was a, if that's a real rumor, maybe the Bears are sniffing around that. I could sniff around some Jeffrey Simmons. That's a big old boy. Yeah, the Titans would be crazy to get rid of him. They would be, but we'll take their crazy. We'll see. That's right. Too good to be true. We'll see. Yes, sir. All right. Bear down, Chicago Bears. Make every play clear the way to victory. Bear down, Chicago Bears. Put up a fight with the might so fearlessly. We'll never forget the way you thrilled the nation. With your T-formation, bear down, Chicago Bears, and let them know why you're wearing the crown. You're the pride and joy of Illinois, Chicago Bears, bear down. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.